Ooh, we're gonna play Would You Rather? Yeah. Ooh. I was scrolling through Twitter and came across probably the best question you could ever have in the game Would You Rather. So it okay. comes from a headline. It's a Reuters headline. It says Hot Pockets Heiress faces sentencing in US college admissions scandal. So that's the headline. And the person's question says, would you rather be poor with your current name or be rich, but have the name Hot Pocket Heiress? So as a huge Jim Gaffigan fan, uh, I would want to be the Hot Pockets Heiress so that every (laughs) once in a while I could just think, Hot Pocket! It would just make me happy. So no, I'm going to go with... uh, be worth millions and be the hot pocket heiress myself. Seems like a good idea. Like anytime you whip out the credit card, you know, you're just going to buy your seventh Lamborghini and just be like, hot pocket. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Soccer Chat. I am Alex. He's Adam. <laughs> I forgot my name for a second. <laughs> um, We are brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, our friends at Roughneck Scarves, and also we, of course, are brought to you by our good friends at Anchor, who help us host this lovely podcast. So this weekend, you and I put on the uh, Navy SEAL gear and uh, went went uh, sneaking along the uh, railroad tracks of Chattanooga Christian. Uh, no, not really. Actually, we, along with Wolfman Jeff, were invited by the team to come watch the uh, closed scrimmage with Young Harris College on Saturday. So we're going to start our our episode with the bad news good news segment i don't want to hear any bad news now what type of news is it well to be perfectly frank it's bad i knew it i knew it was bad news so adam first off let's go with the bad news the bad news really isn't terrible but it's that we had a scoreless draw against a division two college program yeah and it I will say it's a college program that has actually produced quite a bit of talent into the professional leagues. So it's not like it's a, a program that doesn't have teeth, but right. at the same time, um, they're producing the players. We're already the players. So you still would like to, to come away with more and watching the game itself. Um, I think you could tell coach Obledo expected to come away from more as well. Uh, I actually, after the game, joked around with him that I need to touch up on my Spanish so I can understand what he's yelling, and he advised me that that would not be the best idea. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a, um, definitely a slow start to the match. The first few minutes, um, Young Harris came out ready to uh, to take down a giant, as it were, um, to put the feather in their cap of having beaten a pro club. So they really had the Red Wolves on the back foot for maybe the first 10 minutes of the match. 
Um, I would say Saturday was not a good day for the Pineda Sants. Um, both Ronaldo and Ami started. And, you know, here again, I don't want to be overly critical. We are in preseason. Um, but they probably would say that it wasn't the best best day that they've had out on the field. Um, and the whole first half, it kind of felt that way. Very disjointed in attacking. Um, they kind of found their stride towards the end of the game, had a lot of really close chances. Um, I know Jason Ramos in the second half had a header that really was inches wide uh, of the goal and would have put them over the top. And uh, and that was kind of how that game ended. So, yeah, it was a little disappointing, but being preseason, I don't think it's anything that would cause us to panic. Now, if they had given up a goal and possibly lost this match, then I might be in panic mode. Would you Would you agree with that? I remember talking about this last last season, honestly, like how much do you put into the preseason? Like it was kind of a, a running thing for a while there. Like, does the preseason matter? Remember that? Um, yeah. And I, I fell on the side of, no, it, it doesn't really matter um, to a point. Like the results don't matter, but what you see in the quality of play does. And I think all of us, uh, Jeff included, when we were talking about it, we saw quality in the individuals, but we didn't yet see the team fully kind of coming together. And that's just going to take some time, hopefully not too much time. I mean, we're talking about a little over three weeks to the opener in Greenville. So the expectation is, you know, you should get there in three weeks. And then right after that, like within, a, you know, 10 days, you're playing a, a championship side in the Open Cup. So they need to get it together quick. But I think a big part of it is you're talking third preseason game, a lot of new players. Obleda is a new coach, still trying to figure out how he's going to use the existing players. So I, right. I'm not... I'm not overly freaked out, but I am hesitant because you saw some really interesting individual talent, but I just didn't see it together. Um, specifically, uh, you know, Marcos, Mark, Mark Hernandez is what do they what do they keep calling him on the field? It wasn't Mark. Yeah, they called him Marky. Marky, yeah, like he was impressive. Like you know, he he yeah. really. He really impressed me. I, I didn't know a ton other than the ESPN article about him, but it, it, everything that was hyped up about him seems to be true, like a guy who really is great with the ball at his feet. So that kind of steps on the good news. Let's hop over to the good news. Good news, everyone. The good news keeps on coming. So first off, I'd say there's about three three good things to take away from this match. First off, we had Stephen Beattie get about 15 minutes in the second half. Um, his first action since he had postseason knee surgery uh, did not look like he was really hampered by his knee. Um, so it was exciting to see him in there and uh, getting a chance to run around and excited to see him back. Yeah, it's... it's um it's always good to see a guy come back from injury and I think they're still going to slowly work him back in. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start the first couple games um, and he would come off the bench type as a kind of a uh -huh. change of pace type guy. But yeah, the faster we can get BD back to full strength and, and trusting that knee fully, the, the better it is for the team. So the second piece of good news that we could take out of this is I think it was pretty obvious that uh, Obleda ball, as we maybe want to call it, is going to be a high line attacking style. Um, 
you know, you could tell as, as here again, we talked about some of the, uh, some of those last passes in the attack didn't get put together, but it was not a, Oh, we turned the ball over everyone retreat behind the half line into a defensive shell. He was very much encouraging players to continually move up the field, encouraging the wing defenders to get up the sideline and then yelling at them because they weren't getting back fast enough if um, if they weren't able to immediately win the ball back. Um, but it really was a style that's going to be pushing up. And so once they can start putting those passes together, I think this is going to be a pretty exciting team to watch. Yeah, and I will say like that's what that was the rumor mill of the style that you know last year we were expecting to have, but you never really saw it. Even in preseason, you never really saw it. So. Yeah. The fact that we're seeing it in preseason is an excellent sign that, that Coach Oblade has very clearly defined what he expects. You also saw a little bit of what he talked about where he's going to depend on that back back four to really hold their own. Like they, uh, There were a number of times where they had to stop a breakaway because they've pressed so hard forward that it opened them up to some, uh, some uh, counterattacking. So that's something to keep your eye on. Because uh, there are some teams with some significant speed in the USL League One that might be able to take advantage of that. But at the same time, the back held up, right? I mean, there wasn't a ton, yes. especially second half-wise, when that offense was really seemed to be clicking. There wasn't a ton of worry about um, you know what what was going to be happening coming in on goal. Yes. So let, let's look at the individual playing effort. We, I kind of referenced earlier that, that that stood out, the individual talent. And I've already kind of pointed out one of my three uh, in in um, in Hernandez. Who all do you have? Let's pick out three each that you say stood out for you. And I'll give you the floor for the first next three. And I took one already that uh, stood out for okay. you as quality players. Yeah, I would agree with uh, with Mark Hernandez was a good choice. Um, I would say uh, Ricardo Zacharias, um, the one that was signed from uh, professional soccer Mexico. Um, he had some pretty good attacks, um, was very good um, jumping passing lanes. Um, I was also very impressed with Uchenna Uzo. I believe he was the only one that played the entire match. Uh, started in central defense and did pretty well. And I was really impressed when they moved him out to the left wing. Uh, had him playing left back and uh, his wanting to get in the attack. Um, he's a very strong player. Um, so that was uh, really interesting to see. And I, I really liked the dimension he brought. And the third one, I would say Nikos Petas. He came in. Now he was signed as a defender and I think plays mostly centrally, but he came in just as a straight up central midfielder. Um, he played as the number six in front of the back four. And uh, he made a number of good tackles. I think he was on the field for all of three minutes before he picked up a yellow card on a slide tackle. And so it seemed to cement in my mind that Nikos Petas is going to be the player that everyone else in League One is going to hate. And all of our friends on the BGN network for League One, I'm going to tell you right now, he got the ball first, so I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a a fair statement. He's definitely is going to hold into that um, tough guy kind of get, uh, get dirty. Um, and when I say dirty, I'm talking like taking the sliding in for tackles and, and, and not be like, when I'm talking dirty, I'm like dirty uniform. I'm talking like dirty play. 
Like he's going to be the guy who's who's really kind of on your back, you know, going up for those headers and putting the you know the elbow on your back, the tough guy that really right. is going to be kind of towing that line between it was it just a foul, was it a yellow card? I could you could see that just in that in the, that little bit of time that we got to see him. So completely He's agree with you on that. He's going to be the guy that would have fouled the Orlando City player that scored the equalizer in June or July. He's going to be the guy that yeah. fouls that person so that they don't score the goal and we come away with three points. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a perfect example of why you need that type of player. You need to have somebody who's willing to um, you know, kind of take that foul and occasionally get the yellow card because it helps us get to where we need to be. So, yeah, completely agree with that, those choices. And I'm so glad you said Uzo's full name because I wasn't about to attempt that. Um, because <laughs> I just, I've got USL uh, announcer syndrome when it comes to pronouncing names correctly. But I agree, he played really well. I was impressed with him. And for me, it's another one of those guys who's kind of fully come back from a significant injury that the word on him was he he was struggling with um he was struggling with that does that make sense yeah uh, so last year he wasn't fully back and i think you're seeing this year he's able to make it all the way back so that's that's exciting on that end um and then i th- i think for me uh trying to think of like who was it that that maybe surprised me the most um just because it was somebody who I saw all of last year, and that was Connor Doyle. I really felt he separated himself in this game to show that he's going to be coming with just a different, more aggressive style this year that we kind of didn't see last year. So he was the big one for me. Yeah, if if you didn't bring him up, I was going to make him an honorable mention before we ended this segment because I agree with you that Jimmy Obleda is playing him in an attacking midfielder role, so I would say he's he's most likely using Ami Pineda as the number nine, but he definitely has Connor Doyle playing alongside him as an attacking midfielder instead of last year where you saw Connor Doyle having to play more of a defensive midfielder alongside Wally uh, Wolefi Dos Reis. So I think that's freed him up and made him feel a little bit more comfortable in what he's used to doing. Um, he had a couple shots in the first half that were really close to going in as well and breaking that deadlock. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say we we overall, while it was disappointing to get a draw, we saw some some things that we can be excited about. I agree. You got one more player, or are you gonna you gonna crap out with two? Uh, I I gave you three. I had Hernandez, Uzo, and. Uh, and Connor, I don't, I don't know what Uzo your, was. What your Uzo list. was mine. Uzo was mine. All he stole right. mine. Come on. All right. So come on, pick a pick a difficult name too. Come on, challenge yourself. I, I'm refusing. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm refusing to do that. Uh, so I'm gonna kind of kind of throw a curveball here, and and someone you probably aren't expecting me, uh, to bring up just because I I make some comments about him maybe transitioning to an instagram um model as opposed to focusing on soccer and that's Eamon Zide. and here's why i felt like he while he was on the field sporting his uh newest hairstyle which reminds you of flock of seagulls uh i felt you could sense you could hear him teaching on the field and i felt some of the things that he was 
saying to players and, and things like that. Those are the things that will have some impact in the preseason where he was helping them to kind of align themselves correctly. Uh-huh. So that's kind of my random curveball person. I think that may have more impact than we realize. Well, as you uh, take a quick scan through Instagram and Facebook, you can tell that a lot of these players are being uh, mentored by Eamon. We're getting some very pensive looking in the distance, um, you know, soft lighting, a <laughs> um, little bit of the uh, sepia tone. There's a, there's a lot of those kind of pictures around Chattanooga and it's awesome because Chattanooga is a, you know, it's an Instagrammable town. Um, but uh, yeah, he also is, working with these guys on the field and getting them ready to attack and to be in the right place at the right time. And you talked last year about those sorts of things. You know, he was trying to talk to some of the younger guys last year and it seemed like for whatever reason that they, they weren't interested in listening to him or applying it. And yeah, so, so we'll see what, uh, what guys can learn from someone who has a lot of experience in success on multiple continents. All right. Well, we've talked about the guys that are and uh, thought we'd have a little fun and just kind of go through some of the landing spots for some of the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Um, This is kind of came about in my head because today we're recording this on Monday. uh, Jonathan Caparelli announced that he had signed with FC Tucson. Congrats, Johnny. We're uh, we're excited. You're going to get to come visit us in Chattanooga. And uh, and I'm happy for you for that opportunity. Uh, it's it's amazing it took this long for someone who made as many appearances for the Red Wolves as he did to get picked up by FC Tucson. Well, and it's it's you say amazing. I think it's sad because I I've said this before. I thought he proved enough that he's definitely a League One level player, if not um, if not League One, at least Nisa, which is kind of on the same level, like. It's not just like and the reason I bring that up is we have two more teams than we did last year in League One, and then yeah. you add to it eight more teams in Nisa. I have a hard time believing someone of his caliber when there's ten more professional teams at Division Three level shouldn't have been picked up sooner. Could not be happier that we're going to have him in League One. Um, so we'll get to see him when they come through town, and uh, you know we we aren't going out to Tucson anytime soon, so it'll have to be when he comes in town. But yeah, super excited. Well, I mean, now we've got a place to say, uh, stay if we do go out there. So, um, Johnny, we'll hit you. We'll hit you up if we head that direction. Um, one of the others around League One, of course, we've got Juan Mare with Omaha. Congrats and uh, good luck to you, kid. That's all I'm going to say on that one. Okay. Well, I mean, if keeping with USL, we know a, a couple players that moved up, and we talked. We've referenced them before in. Uh, Vangel Zaguro at FC Tulsa and uh, Tony Walls with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Who scores goals with his head, I've been told. <laughs> yeah, um, I recently, recently corrected by Tony on your lack of knowledge of him. Very excited uh, for Tony in Pittsburgh. Um, mostly he being in the Eastern Conference, he's going to be coming down to play Atlanta United 2. Um, that is a weekday game that's during the summer. So, um, there's a pretty decent chance we're going to find a way to go down and attend that match and, uh, nice and let Tony see my family. Not that he cares about seeing me, but he does like my family. 
that's how that normally goes. Well done. Uh, yeah, the other thing that's that there, there, one of the things about kind of where we're situated here in Chattanooga, you've also got Birmingham Legion, who we're playing in the Open Cup. Um, they're only two hours away. Now, the Atlanta United Games team is really only about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes away. Um, so you've got a couple different options to be able to check that out. And the fact that he's in the Eastern Conference definitely helps because, you know, the USL Championship, they don't really transfer over. It's like old school, uh, um, Major League Baseball, National League, American League. Like, there's not a lot of interleague play there. Uh, yeah. And so, because I look to see, like, is there a chance for us to see Zaguro? Um, because we got to know him and, and, and his wife and daughter while they were here. I mean, unfortunately, they, they, you know, the closest they come is St. Louis. So, not really in our, not really in our wheelhouse of area that we're close to. Yeah. So, but he also is going to be making his debut on Saturday uh, against Colin Falvey, who is an assistant coach for Sacramento Republic. So, congrats and uh, good luck on that future coaching career for Colin. And that's that. Not only is it a great pickup for uh, for that team, but for Colin, it puts him on a team that is going to and has um, and will be joining MLS in the next two years. So uh, really a good opportunity for him to show the talent that on the coaching side that we got a glimpse of here last year um, when Coach Hankinson had moved on from the team, uh, even though it was a he was not officially the head coach. He took a lot of those daily duties um, and sideline duties during that time. And I felt really was impressive in the, in the team setup and some of the uh, in-game changes that he would make. Yeah, I'd uh, agree with that. Um, so moving on, also in town is Richard Dixon, who uh, moved across town to Chattanooga FC with Nisa. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about their uh, opener, congrats on the 1-1 draw in Oakland, and I'm thankful no one got hurt on the uh, parquet turf. Yeah, that's that turf has a really fun history. So it was actually turf that was um, previously in the NASL with uh, Oklahoma City Raya, and so it it just it's got a really if you do some Google searches out there and yeah, Google search OKC soccer turf and there's like full articles about the weird history with that turf so um just really interesting and you know i i watched a little bit of it not a lot because it was happening at the same time as the um, mls atlanta and nashville game which uh-huh. honestly i just uh had more interest in that than i did the cfc game but uh it, it, the turf ran, it didn't look like it caused a lot of problems. Like there wasn't a lot of bouncing ball. Like I think I would have preferred to play on that turf than to play in Lansing last year. So as much Fair funny, enough. as funny as it looks, I think it, it was a little bit better than that. But Richard Dixon did not start. I don't know if he ever came in the game. I don't know what the story is there. Um, so yeah, we wish him the best. And I, I like I said before, I'm really glad he's still in town because um, his his desire to coach with the youth, and I think he is helping with CSC's academy now. Um, he's he's a really good community piece, so that's exciting that he's still here in town. I definitely agree with that. Um, and then finally, there are a couple international. So we had Cito Sayon, who you know broke all of our hearts when they made the announcement that he was going to be moving on and is playing with IBV in Iceland, the Icelandic first division. 
Uh, good luck to him there. Apparently that was a place where he had played multiple years prior. Uh, so I was excited to be going back to a place that he had played before. Um, and then the other one is Andrew Mullen, who has signed with a club in Germany at the fifth level of the German pyramid and hang on a moment. I'm trying to find T U S N a petal. So, yeah, that that one was an odd one for me as well. Like, I wonder if his is similar to, um, to Jonathan's in that he just for whatever reason couldn't get on somewhere, or if he just wanted to give a shot at being at playing some uh, European soccer and just took that whatever opportunity he could have. Because I mean, he came before coming to Chattanooga last year. He played for Atlanta United too. I felt he played pretty well while he was here. So I was surprised to see him kind of make that move i don't know what level you would consider fifth division german versus third division u.s like are they pretty comparable i don't I don't really know what that looks like but he is about the uh the team is about half an hour from the uh, borussia dortmund stadium just to give you context of where exactly it is that he's going to be playing um so Good luck to him, though, and uh, some also personal news. If you were paying attention on social media, he got engaged to his girlfriend, who you often saw at team events and things like that. So congratulations to them um, and uh, all the best of luck playing in Germany. Those are all the players that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't believe that um, my mind just went blank on his name because he never got into a single game. Our backup keeper from last year. I don't believe he's playing anymore. I think he has. Will yeah, Will Dietrich. I yeah, have I think not Will has seen moved. any announcements about that. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of focused on a. I think he's going into his own business of some sort. So good luck to him. And he's got a a young family himself. So he's the only other player that I could think of that I was trying to figure out if he was still still going somewhere. Um, other than that, I think that covers pretty much everybody. Yes. So I would say now is a great time for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll go through the uh, week of MLS and upcoming USL championship, as well as uh, heading over to Europe to talk about some incredible happenings. We are back. So MLS week one, do you have any overreactions, underreactions, anything surprise you? Um, so I think the, the biggest, uh, I think I'll go ahead and give my overreaction. The loss of Joseph Martinez will end Atlanta's ability to be even relevant and we might finally get our glimpse as to what the Atlanta United fans are really going to be like this season. That's my overreaction. That is both barrels for sure. Um, That is, that is the test case. We'll have to see what happens. I, I want to agree with you. They put a stat up during the game where he had 27 goals and the next closest was four. Last year, oh my! Four. Okay, 
Yeah. So this is not a small loss for them. And it's not like they, like you can point to, well, they picked up this player that's going to fill in that hole. Like Pity's going to have to really step up for them to not completely fall off the face of the earth. And I am really intrigued to see come September, October, if they're sitting there fighting for that last playoff spot, how many of those fans are showing up or how often is the, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium going to what everybody originally expected to be full capacity and have everything, you know, sealed off at the top level where they're at full capacity at 35,000 instead of 70,000. Um, I'm not, ex- I'm not hoping for that. If that comes across that way, I apologize. I'm expecting it because I've watched enough Atlanta sports to know that's what the town does eventually. You know, you watch Atlanta yeah. Braves games, lots of empty seats. You watch Falcons, you watch Hawks. Heck, you even watch UGA games when they're terrible. Those are in the Athens is half full too. So uh, it's not just in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm curious as to what it will look like. Uh, I'm hoping that there, it's different. A lot of people think it will because unlike a lot of those other teams I mentioned, uh, where the Atlanta is such a hodgepodge of other areas that have come in. A lot of companies moved in, people transferred in, a lot of um, people coming in from other countries and immigrating in. The, the, a lot of people believe Atlanta United is like that first team that's truly everyone's team in Atlanta, as opposed to, well, I'm really a Giants fan or I'm I'm really a um, Yankees fan or whatever, but I go to Braves games when they're good, right? Um, yeah. That's the thought. That's the that's the p- thing that people argue. And so I think this year we get to find out because I don't think losing Joseph Martinez is something that that team was ready for. And it, the basis of the MLS, um, the way MLS is structured, you lose your best player, you fall, or you struggle because it's it's a salary cap league. And even more than that, it's like a salary cap league on steroids because only certain players can earn a lot of money. So it'll be interesting. That's my overreaction. My underreaction, can I give you that too? Yeah, sure. My under under underreaction uh, is going to stay with that same Atlanta-Nashville game. Uh, I think uh, Nashville's going to do okay. Like I, I think that if you get 60000 for the Atlanta-Yana game, you, you could probably average twenty five, and they'll be okay. Well, there you go. He's very whelmed. Um, <laughs> I'm going to save up. I'm going to save my Timbers reaction because we've got Alex's Aaron, Aaron of grievances coming up. My hot take that I'm going to give you about MLS is that Carlos Vela and LAFC is the James Harden Houston Rockets of MLS. You recognize that there's talent, you know that it's there and you respect it, but you just hate watching it. It's just, ugh. That's all that is. But that was a really awesome little chip goal that he put over Luis Robles against Inter-Miami, who doesn't have a sponsor. Like, they literally just looked like they were wearing undershirts out there on the field. That was weird. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Like, because it was rumored for a long time it was going to be Qatar Airlines. And then they got a lot of pushback on that. And I'm wondering (laughs) if they're just hoping to, like, that they're still the sponsor, but they're just going to throw it in there in like week six or seven when people aren't really paying that much attention anymore. <laughs> or if they went back to the drawing board and they're like, yeah, we can't do this. 
and they're looking for a different sponsor. But yeah, that was weird. Like, and you know, it's so hard for me to act like Vela is impressive when I know how crappy he was in Europe. <laughs> like, I'm like, he's he's thirty. Like, at least with at least with Abramovich last year, he was really good in Europe, right? Like, Vela was a disappointment. Like, he was an Arsenal loanee. Like, we loaned him out six straight years. Like, <laughs> It's, you know, you would think, oh, former Arsenal guy, I should be excited. I'm not excited. It's it's depressing to watch him dominate like that. That said, it was a nice chip. He should have never gotten to the point where he could have made the chip, though. There were like four bad defensive plays before that. So, and that's one of the other things where I make the comparison of him to James Harden in that he has figured out how to manipulate the system in order to draw fouls that cause everyone to defend him differently to the point that he's able to get to places other people can't. And if you're a fan of it, you're like, well, yeah, he's, it's just part of his skill. He's learned how to put himself in the thing. And the, my part is like, well, it's, it's ridiculous. Why, why does he, everyone have to call special fouls just for him? It just, it just, it irritates me and it's not fun to watch. Because if he wasn't going to dribble to that spot, he most definitely was going to fall over Juan Mare style and be looking for a penalty kick. Yeah, I could see that. My only my only issue with the comparison to Harden is Harden is probably one of the top 10 players in the NBA, which is the top league in the world. So maybe we don't compare a guy who can't do anything until he's 31 and playing in a retirement league to a top 10 player in the NBA. They're just pooping all over my dreams, Adam. I think he's more like the dude that goes to the uh, the local YMCA and puts up 70 and thinks he's an all-star. <laughs> oh, man, I'm being way too harsh. <laughs> so next weekend, we have USL Championship kicking off. Um, are you excited about USL After Dark? Do you have any particular games on the upcoming schedule that you're looking forward to? So the thing I'll say here, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about with our um, uh, former players, is I'm looking forward to watching how Tony does and how Zaguro does. So all of a sudden, I feel like, because both of those guys, I just really... I just liked him as dudes like like Tony was like a really laid back, just kind of reminded me of like like how he just kind of said what he was thinking. And I love that. It reminded me a little bit of like how I have a tendency to do that. Um, And I think he put his foot in his mouth almost as much as I do. Um, So I don't know if that's maybe part of why I like him so much, but uh, I want to see how he does. I want to see Can he be the dominant player that. that I, I kind of saw glimpses of last year. And then I really think Zagro is going to continue to grow and get better and better. I look forward to watching his crosses. So I'm going to, I'm going to check in on a lot of those, those FC Tucson and Pittsburgh games throughout the year. Yeah. So, uh, Pittsburgh not playing this weekend. So unfortunately not, but what you have Friday night, you have orange County and El Paso or Tacoma versus Reno. 
uh, Friday night. Those are late starting games. So, you know, put the kids to bed and uh, you can just fall asleep to some USL. <coughs> um, the uh, best thing here, Saturday, starting at seven. You've got Memphis first Indy 11 and then at 730 Philadelphia two and Loudoun United kickoff. And then at eight, you switch over to, I'm going to say St. Louis and the Miami FC, uh, but you also could pick Oklahoma City or Colorado. Then at 8.30, you can jump over and you can watch the uh, San Antonio Real Monarchs. That's going to be exciting. Uh, you get to halftime, then you can jump over. You can watch the second half of Austin, New Mexico. By 9.30, you check in on Timbers 2, watch them against Phoenix Rising. That's going to be a good game. You uh, watch the first half of that, and you get the uh, Landon Donovan, San Diego Loyal against the uh, Las Vegas, whatever they're called. What are they? Las Vegas the Las Vegas Lights. Lights. Yeah, still coached by yep. Eric Winalda, I think. We've got Landon Donovan versus Eric Winalda. That's spicy. And then a half hour after that, you have our friends Colin Falvey facing off against uh, Vangel Zaguro, and that leads to a full night of usl action really the only one that i'm most looking forward to is sacramento tulsa but i am just going to be flipping around with uh flipping around espn plus with my little uh amazon fire remote and uh having a good old time on saturday yeah so when you went through when you go through all those i'm with you that's the probably the last one which doesn't start till 10 30 is the one i'm most interested in um but you know, there's also a, a game on. Um, there's a game on Sunday between Swoop Park Rangers, which I think they've changed them to their name, right? They're not actually sporting Kansas anymore. City too now, yeah, yeah, and Charlotte Independence. Um, I'm really intrigued by the Independence, and the reason I'm really intrigued by the Independence is they are currently one of two te- pro teams in charlotte soon to be one of three pro teams in charlotte and i'm very interested to see like what type of product will they put on the field um this last year before they start competing with mls like are they going to go all in to try to build a base based off of talent or have they are they going to throw the throw in the flag so i'm keeping my eye on them as well but yeah when you outlined it's a full full day on saturday um I mean, it starts two thirty in the afternoon. There's zero chance that I'm going to be able to watch that many games without my wife going. Uh, we'd like to see you again, uh, or at least saying you need to talk to your kids. But yeah, I'll catch I'll catch the ones after the later on in the evening when the kids are asleep. So the other intriguing one for me is Sunday afternoon at three thirty. Atlanta United two faces Charleston Battery, and that's interesting solely because those are two championship teams that. Red Wolves did uh, preseason scrimmages against. So I'd be interested to see them to get an idea of kind of what it was they went up against. I don't know how much of the Atlanta United two squad they actually faced, but, uh, but that still to me is an interesting game. So when is, when is Birmingham's first game? I was trying to look at that. Their first match is March 15th, so it's the week after this, uh, against Charleston Battery. So, are, is it an uneven schedule? Is that what it is? Like, one, there's always one odd man out, is that right? I mean, it is, well, yeah, so they've got 17 in each division. Well, 17 in one and division, they, 18 in the other. So, 
Yeah, that and makes sense. And I don't sense. think they don't play any cross, right? Like they, you don't they don't play No, they don't. Inner Yeah, so at least I don't think so. The, I don't believe they do. I I tried to look at it um uh, you know, maybe maybe I put corrections at the end if I'm wrong, but I don't think they do, which means that the East will always have one team not playing every weekend. Yeah, that's all right. Nobody really listens to us anyway. I don't think you need to correct anything. <laughs> uh, that's true. So yeah, exciting coming up, and then a uh, couple more weeks until our boys are in uh, in action themselves. I think we've come to that time in the program. It's time for Alex's airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're gonna hear about it. I'm gonna try not to swear. Um, get the get the bleep button ready, Adam. Um, first half. Against Minnesota United, Portland Timbers, uh, really the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes, were taking it to them. Um, new signing, Felipe Mora, striker, dribbling through the box. And the Minnesota United goalkeeper just kind of clumsily goes running towards the ball, doesn't get there in time, takes out Felipe Mora's legs. The ball goes out for a goal kick. The referee doesn't call anything because, of course, he's an MLS referee. So why would you call a a goalkeeper getting tangled up in an attacker's legs? Unless it's um, Carlos Vela, then it's definitely a penalty. So we go through VAR. And I am pretty sure when they wrote the rule for video-assisted referee in MLS, they said the first thing... That is the first principle of VAR is that whatever the decision is, it needs to go against the Portland Timbers. So we look at it. You can kind of maybe make a case that kind of his toe goes around Felipe Mora's leg and hits the ball first. So you can retreat to clear an obvious error BS about whether or not it was actually a foul. All I know is if you replicate the situation with Steve Clark, they're calling in a penalty on VAR. Or if they go to review it because it was called a penalty on the field, they're going to uphold it instead of overturn it. And that's a penalty for whoever's playing against the Portland Timbers. And I could not be more furious. All year last year, whenever anything was being video reviewed, it went against the Timbers. Yes. There's a conspiracy. It is a league mandate to screw the Timbers. It's just so frustrating. They have plenty of half chances that don't go in, and they get to those kind of points, and somehow they can't get that. Like I said... There wouldn't have even been any hesitation to give that penalty to Carlos Vela, but for some reason, the Portland Timbers guy just gets completely taken out. And uh, anyway, my grievances are aired. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Alex. Wow. Yeah, I'm impressed that. You've made it all the way through this entire podcast and haven't once brought up Arsenal's performance at home in uh, 
as you refer to it, the European NIT. Oh, what happened with that? So. Playing at home, I'm pretty sure Arsenal would be able to uh, hold their own against a Greek squad and be able to uh, to dominate that game. Is that, did, did that, how did that go? Yeah, uh, it went real well. So we're, uh, we're focused on, um, on the Premier League and the FA Cup now. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's frustrating to say the least. We were three minutes away from moving on and just chalking up to a bad game. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was ugly all around. They didn't show up in the first half and, um, yeah, it's just bad. I will say, and this is not me just having the frustrating grievance type stuff, but um, I get, I don't care for the whole away goal um, mattering when you've gone into extra time. I think that's kind of penalizing the second team. And what I mean by that is it only went into extra time because we were tied on away goals, right? It was one-to-one. It goes into extra time. And then basically, we knew that no matter what, if they scored, they're going on. Like, we score, and we're still worried that if they score and tie it up in goal scored, we're not going on because they're the away team, even though they're getting an extra 30 minutes of away team time. I don't care much for that. I think that's stupid. They got to come up with a better way to handle that than what they did, in my opinion, because you're basically giving an advantage to the team that's away and saying, hey, listen, you're away, but you get an extra 30 minutes to score an away goal that we're going to treat as if it was during the same 90 minute period the other team had. Like, give us 30 more minutes on their on their home turf and see if we can score. Like, that's that's my only frustration with that. I think I, I don't know. I've been racking my brain to come up with a better solution. Um because I don't like penalties in at all. It's just, it's, it's to me, it's like having a field goal contest to decide who wins a game uh, in football. So I don't like, like that decision either, but I don't know. That really bothered me. And as far as I'm concerned, we're tied two two and you go to, I mean, even go into a golden goal and saying you're tied two two on um, total goal scored makes more sense than saying because we gave you 30 extra minutes to score yours counts more because it was away. that's stupid i see i see a logic to your complaint through all the saltiness <laughs> and the and the tears um five points behind wolves in the premier league standings uh you had a good two nothing two nothing win against portsmouth today in the FA Cup so there's a chance there to uh keep yourselves uh NIT uh NIT bound so i i want to say before you say that we're 5 points down yeah we're 5 points down but we have a game in hand on that 5 points down yeah you know what you kept so, saying last year about the red wolves oh yeah we've got these games in hand and then they kept tying and losing just yeah saying. the big just difference saying. is we're playing we're playing west ham Brighton, Southampton, Norwich City are our next mm, four. Mm-hmm, 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 so it's mm-hmm. it's it's not quite the same. I I would like to thank Tottenham for being Tottenham and only being uh barely above us right now. Um, 
because they've had ample opportunity to be in the top four and have gotten them their way out of the that and into seventh. Um, so I want to thank them for that. Glad that they switched coaches so they could be in the exact same spot. Um, Chelsea also deciding not to uh, run away with fourth and giving us a glimmer of hope to even get to fourth um, is, is nice of them because they've had the opportunity to kind of put it away and they tie Bournemouth and um, they lose to Man U. They tie Leicester. Like, they, they're helping us out. I'm just saying. They tie us when we got a red card. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, when you look at those standings, and we talked about this before, when you look at those standings, going from fourth all the way, you know, all the way down, honestly, to us at 10th because of the game in hand, um, it's realistic for any of those teams, any of those six teams to finish in the in that fourth position. I don't think that's unrealistic to think that's a possibility. Like, I do I expect Burnley or Sheffield or the Wolves, for that matter, to really do that? No, but I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, or Chelsea were in that fourth spot at the end of the year. Yeah, makes for an exciting uh, stretch run, and so that's wonderful to uh, to make it worth getting up early on a Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, we, and that's the thing. We get some Saturday games back, so that'll be fun. <laughs> no more Sunday after Sunday 11 o'clock. So that'll, it's, it's, all, it's all looking at the bright side of life. There you go. Well, speaking of the bright side, it's time for the Biggles Wade Report. So the only action that we had this week was a mid-afternoon Biggles Wade town in the uh, Southern South Central League. They got off the snide. 4-0 winners, Biggles Wade Town. Congrats. And uh, that wasn't the end of the good news. Biggles Wade Town. Got some other good news in the week. Finding out that due to a breach in the rules by finalists Luton and Bedford Town, they have both been excluded from the Bedfordshire Senior Cup and so now Biggleswade Town and Potton United will be playing in the final on March 17th. So congrats to them. Chance to bring home some hardware for uh, Coach Chris Nunn and his boys. Um, all of them will be back in action this week. But uh, but yeah, Biggleswade United and Biggleswade FC were off. It's, uh, I don't know. I think it was just like a scheduling thing. It wasn't like uh, games got rained out for a change um but uh but yeah that's basically your biggles wade report um we had uh just like in the uh adaa regional qualifier uh someone got uh, kicked out for breaking the rules the question is who gets more rain biggles wade or chattanooga yeah it's a pretty close competition right now but uh but yeah whatever the uh the the february season is like in england especially in the the middle part kind of north of London, um, you know, that well, really all of London, because the, the Chelsea match in Bournemouth had the same kind of all of a sudden, it's just a absolute downpour for 30 minutes that you sometimes see in Chattanooga. It was, uh, it was kind of interesting. So. All right. Well, uh, do you have, 
you have anything else before before we we head out and cl- and close up shop here, Alex? I do not. Well, as always, we want to thank our sponsors. Um, this year we've we have the luxury of having both uh, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC as official sponsors for uh, the podcast and for the BGN Network. So we want to thank Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. As well as Icarus SC, if you're tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas, look for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team. Icarus SC can help you create a kit of your dreams at a very affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. All right, that's all we got, guys. We'll see you on the other side. Bye. I've really got nothing else to say. <laughs> oh, man. I've really got nothing else to say. Oh, geez. So I do want to give credit to one of the greatest tweets that I've seen in a long time from a weatherman, which you don't usually get a lot of weather-related quality quality tweet action, but kind of talking about all the rain we've gotten here uh, the past, what, three straight months, it seems like. It's just been constant yeah. rain. Does that seem accurate? Um, it's been wet. Uh, the local the local weatherman for, for News Channel 9 uh, posted on his Twitter feed, don't forget that this weekend um, we spring forward and lose an hour of rain, <laughs> which I thought <laughs> was well done. <laughs> and unfortunately accurate like my son's uh practice was canceled his first one of the year was supposed to be today and he was kind of bummed he's like well can i go to practice tomorrow because they do it four days a week i was like well we can sign you up for tomorrow but it's gonna be raining <laughs> like you're yeah. not gonna practice <laughs>